For over 20 years, I've had a weight issue that was masking a deeper issue, food addiction. Welcome to Foodiction, a podcast about food addiction recovery. I am your host, Julie Hatch. We are already at the end of March, and I find that to be astounding, especially because here in Utah, we're still getting winter weather. (laughs) All right. Wow. I have a lot to to share with you. Um, First of all, when I started Brightline Eating, I thought that was the end all be all. I thought I have found the answer and... I can run with this and I'll overcome food addiction. And then I recently learned that I have binge eating disorder. And I thought, I know nothing about binge eating disorder. And I also thought, well, it would do me well to learn as much about that as I can and to know what I can do to help myself overcome binge eating disorder. And I thought to myself, well, I don't know if those two things go hand in hand, if they're one and the same, but it feels like it's a piece. So I'm going to lean in. I learned a lot about binge eating. I learned that when a person engages in binge eating, which is a habit, that it's usually because they're trying to avoid something. They're avoiding feeling something that's heavy. And so they, their coping mechanism, so to speak, is to turn to binge eating. And binge eating is a lot like, it looks a lot like food addiction, actually, um, because some of the behaviors are the same. But binge eating is when you attempt to numb yourself, you detach or disconnect and you numb yourself through, through eating um, either copious amounts of food or, um, grazing on food all day long or, uh, eating really high fat, high salt, high sugar foods, processed foods. Um, that is binge eating. And so I thought, well, what it's ironic because this past week has felt like a big doozy it's felt so incredibly hard. I have felt so lonely this week and so invisible and dismissed and unloved. And I thought, why on earth would I feel this way when we just celebrated my 50th birthday as a family? My family all came together, my parents, my children, their spouses, my granddaughter, Uh, my husband, we all got together and everyone celebrated me and celebrated my birthday. How on earth could I possibly be feeling unloved? What the heck is that? (laughs) And I thought, am I just stuck in a victim role? What is this? And why am I so depressed and sad? And I feel like I'm grieving. Why? What is this? And I didn't know when I found myself, not only did I just, oh man, I spiraled so bad this week. It started off with feeling mildly depressed and having bouts of loneliness to feeling full out depressed, anxious, um, sad, grief stricken, 
I mean, just low, low, low energy, right? Just really low. And I didn't understand through this week. I didn't, I wasn't understanding what was causing this, but I found myself resorting to old coping mechanisms, binge eating. I ate my son's Easter candy. I ate his wife's Easter candy. I ate my husband's Easter candy and some of my daughters. I ate pizza for three nights in a row because I literally had no energy to cook. Um, I even checked out so badly that by the time yesterday came around, no, actually it would have been today. By the, by the, by the time this morning rolled around, I had realized that I missed two days of my medication for my blood pressure and all of my supplements that I take, not only for nutrients, but to keep my inflammation at bay. And I was astounded. I'm like, whoa, I really, I was numbing myself big time. And that looked like playing video games, um, not leaving the house at all, um, over posting on social media, scrolling mindlessly on TikTok and Facebook. It looked like, and, and the lowest of all lows is when one night I was so bored, I found myself channel surfing and I landed on a channel that doesn't advertise porn. It, it's um, a show that's called Just Like That. And as I was watching it, I'm like, holy cow, this is like, this is soft porn. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. This is flat out porn, soft porn. And I turned it off and I felt disgusted. I felt so dirty and I felt so disgusted. I was like, hey, I've hit lows of all lows. Like I really checked out and numbed myself. And I don't even want to go down that road because if you're unaware, um, the, the con of engaging in watching anything that's pornographic in nature and especially repeatedly is it can alter your brain. Um, the, there's so many negative effects of pornography. Um, if you're unaware of them, then I would recommend that you go and you educate yourself about that. There's tons of research and tons of uh, articles about the harms of pornography. So thankfully I turned it off and I, but even, oh my goodness, I struggled all day yesterday, even with like images, scenes popping up in my head and I had to immediately dismiss and it was a battle that on top of everything else I was going through, um, because I'm trying to make positive changes in my life, I've noticed that I've outgrown some of my friendships and they've outgrown those friendships with me and some of my friendships that I've had since the age of four, like long-term, some of those friendships have fall, fallen away. And I was grieving and I was sad. And it doesn't mean I had any kind of hate towards them or anything like that. I just recognized that because they hadn't experienced what I have, um, they weren't able to understand or support, offer their support in my food addiction recovery or overcoming binge eating or the things that I'm trying to work through. And it made me feel disappointed and sad and grief stricken. So I, this whole week, I just feel like I'd been grieving and where my emotions have just felt like on the surface and that at any moment I could break out in tears. It was just 
a doozy of a week. And I wondered if I was ever going to be able to pick myself up out of it because it persisted for a week. And it's been a long time since I've found myself in that situation or a similar one. Um, I didn't see that one coming. Certainly didn't plan on it, but I thought there's an issue here. So I started studying binge eating and I'm going to share with you a little bit what I learned. Um, I understood, I, I learned why, why people binge eat, but, but I also learned some tips on what you can do to um, form better habits than binge eating. And they said that when you notice yourself binge eating, it's the first thing that you want to do is identify and acknowledge why you're binge eating. You have to do that. And then they invite you to sit with your feelings for five minutes, like turn on a timer sit with the pain, sit with the discomfort, sit with the heaviness. And the reason they suggest that is because pain is a teacher. And there's things that we can learn through that. It's more about learning how to confront and deal with heaviness and and heavy emotions instead of numbing yourself and avoiding them to confront them. And so they said, practice sitting with them and increase the time as, you know, as you practice sitting with it, increase the time. And then I would add to that, that once you feel like you're comfortable enough to deal with your pain and you're no longer numbing, don't live there. (laughs) Don't take up residence with it. Let it, let it go. Um, But allow yourself to feel it so that you're not resorting to other methods or other ways of, of coping that are negative or have a cost attached to it. So I've really been paying attention and I realized I'm sad. I'm grief stricken. I'm disappointed. I feel betrayed. I feel dismissed. I feel invisible. I feel canceled. I feel because there's this happened on the back end of some other things and experiences. And so it just was like the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. It was just that one last thing. And I just felt like I can't, I can't do this. And I just checked out. (laughs) I escaped. I, they say that binge eating though. No, no, no. That's procrastination. Yeah. Anyway, I checked out. I was definitely in survival mode by that point. And I, I took flight. I was out of there like, and part of it was also numbing, you know, the numbing I think is more of a freeze responds, but the, um, of the avoidance and the distracting myself with other things, I think is also part of like taking flight. So, um, I realized, okay, I'm in survival mode and it's not pleasant and I don't have to relive these old tapes. I don't. And even though it felt fresh, it's still something that happened in my past and it's still something I can't control. I cannot control the way another person thinks or behaves based on their own experiences, nor can I, I can't control their experiences. I can't force them to understand something that they don't understand. I can't force them to support me in something that um, they feel is setting me up for failure. Um, it's just one of those things I can't change. I can't change it. 
I have to just accept that we all have, we're all at different points in our lives and we're all learning different things at different times and sometimes at the same time, but there'll be those friends that you'll have for life and there'll be those friends that come and go and all of them are needed and all of them are an important part of your life. And that's not to say that the ones that leave won't come back. Who knows, right? Um, but right now we're learning different things. We're, we're kind of in the, a different chapter of a different book. <laughs> that's the way I look at it. So I realized that in feeling this way, I needed to figure out a way that I could feel loved, that I could feel valuable, that I could feel seen and heard, that I could feel understood, that I could feel valid and validated. And the, the only thing that helped and the only thing I really knew to do, because I tried everything else and that backfired, um, was to say a prayer and tell God how I was feeling and ask for reassurance of his love and, and an understanding that he still loved me and that he felt like I was valuable. And so today, I took today to rest because I had done so much work in trying to sit with the uncomfortableness and the pain of what I was feeling this past week. It was, it took a lot of energy and a lot of work. My back was out. Um, I had had insomnia three nights in a row. I was just really, really struggling this week. And I thought I need to rest and I can't judge it. I just need to give myself permission to rest. So I rested today and, um, got back on to my routine with taking my medication again and, um, you know, repenting for, you know, watching a soft porn program. I don't even like calling it soft. It's just porn. It's not hardcore, but it's still porn. Um, repenting for binge eating, repenting for checking out and, wallowing in the heaviness that I didn't need to wallow in that I could, I could have at a much sooner point, <laughs> a much earlier point, I could have turned this over to God a lot earlier. And I could have avoided probably resorting to old coping mechanisms and numbing myself. But today was about I, I have to pick pick myself up. And in saying that, it's really letting the Lord pick me up, <laughs> letting him intervene and letting him help me. And I'm grateful for that. But that is truly the only thing I know that works when you, you know, when you really don't feel strong enough to help yourself. Sometimes I think it's vitally important to give it over to God and to let him help you and to ask him to help you. I found myself watching a lot of near-death experience videos again. Every once in a while, I'll binge watch them. And I was trying to figure out why, and I think I understand why. Because sometimes when you feel depressed or you feel heavy emotions like sadness or grief or um, rejection, any of those heavy, heavy things, 
sometimes it's easy to get stuck in your head. It's easy to kind of get tunnel vision and lose sight of the bigger picture. And I think that by binge watching the near-death experiences, I, I knew, first of all, I knew I was safe that no porn was going to pop up in those videos. <laughs> Nothing of pornographic nature was going to pop up. So I felt safe watching them, but I always feel like it broadens my perspective and my and it helps me remember the bigger picture. It helps me see the bigger picture. It draws me out of myself and whatever I'm experiencing here in mortality and reminds me that there's a larger, bigger picture and purpose in life and that God is at the helm and that we are his instruments and we're here for a reason and a purpose and a season. Um, and I think that they are very faith promoting. I think that they, you know, more often than not, when I've watched these videos, the people that are sharing their stories, there, there always seems to be this commonality of this divine love that they experience. And I sit there and I try to imagine what that's like, you know, what, what must that experience have been like to feel that perfect love so profoundly that they, it's, it changes them when they come back to mortality, like it changes them. Um, so often it changes them. And I thought, what would happen if I lived my life as if I had a near-death experience? I never have. And I've always sort of envied those who did because I just think, wow, what a neat experience that would be. And I tend to feel that way when life is hard, honestly. <laughs> but, um, but I also understand that I think God has granted certain people near-death experiences because he knows that it would help them. For some people, it may not be the best thing only because it could make living here immortality even more difficult knowing what's on the other side. Um, and I think that that could very well be the case with me. If I had a near-death experience, I don't know if I would come back. <laughs> I don't know. So um, some people are given the choice, some aren't. But I think it would be really hard for me to um, to kind of stay in the moment of each day in, in mortality and to give it my all. I think I would be so hyper-focused on what's on the other side of this that it would almost be tempting to want to live for that than to really make the most of each day here and focus on what I can do here. I don't know. Um, that being said, if I ever had one, that I, I wouldn't oppose it. <laughs> but I do think that God grants us certain blessings for certain reasons, and it's usually for our benefit. And so um, I'm just grateful that these people are willing to share their experiences because it has really helped to boost my my faith and my strength a little bit and helped to broaden my perspective and understanding. So I'm grateful for those accounts and um, those those reminders. And it's definitely caused me to ponder upon my own purpose in life, which I, I sometimes I think I have that figured out. And then other times I don't. And I, I just wonder sometimes, like, is everybody's purpose supposed to be this grandiose thing where they affect millions of people? Or is it just as important 
and necessary to have those who have a smaller reach, who may impact only a few lives and live a a more simpler life. Because that's what mine has felt like. (laughs) Um, There's times when I felt like I had great momentum in my life where I was establishing a name for myself and some credibility. And I was reaching some really big goals and experiencing a taste of success. And then all of a sudden being prompted to close the doors to my business and then preparing for a, a major trial in our family. So I'm grateful for, you know, the inspiration that came to close my doors, but I was also simultaneously sad. I had invested a lot of time, energy, and money into that. And um, I think the reasons for closing were, were, you know, twofold or probably even more reasons than I even understand. But another reason I think that that's the, that's the inspiration that came was because I had really identified myself. I attached my identity to my work. And, um, my ego was inflated and I think God knew it. And I think I needed to be humbled. So I've never really returned to that. And I wonder sometimes if I ever will, sometimes I think I will. Sometimes there's moments where I think "Mm, maybe not. Um, and what I'm doing right now is only affecting a very small, um, number of people. Yet I know that this right now is right where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know how, I don't know for how long that will be. I don't know if my own life circumstances may change and alter that. Um, I certainly know this is for a season, but I don't know what's next again. I don't know what's next. And um, that's been an ongoing theme in my life of really I, I, I might have, you know, the very next step, but nothing after that. <laughs> I have a sense of timing. I do have that. I developed that. But my life has often felt like a series of traumatic events that I've had to invest a lot of time and energy into trying to heal and overcome and learn from and apply those lessons and that has been my life and it's very much felt like an ongoing survival mode and I'm tired of it and I'm ready to be more deliberate um, if I can be, (laughs) if that's God's will for me to be a little bit more deliberate and intentional with what I want to do with my time and my energy. But right now it's, I'm not feeling a whole lot of latitude with that. Um, I feel like what I'm doing right now is very specific. Um, And that I just need to trust that I'm doing exactly what the Lord wants me to do. And I know I am. I do know I am. Um, I just wonder if it's always going to be this way. I'm already 50 years old and I'm looking ahead going, I don't, you know, (laughs) I don't think I'm going to have a whole lot of time left in mortality. I feel like I'm already at the halfway mark. And how much longer am I going to live a life in a state of survival? When can I live life from a point of I'm healed and I'm thriving now and I'm contributing rather than just getting by and I'm anxious for that. I feel like I'm on the cusp of that. I feel like I've been making tremendous strides and preparing for that, but it's unfortunate to me that it couldn't happen sooner, but maybe I wouldn't have been ready sooner. Who knows? But if you've ever felt that way, um, I'm kind of leaning towards, I think that God 
gives us all different purposes. We have one common purpose um, and we share it with him, which is to bring about um, salvation for man, to, to bring people to him. That's all, that's a purpose we all share to gather Israel. But I think that we each have individual purposes as well. And we can have multiple purposes. And I think that some of these purposes are more grandiose, where our reach is much more broad and farther out. Um, And then some of us have a smaller reach, and it's on a simpler level. And that has felt so much like my life. And yet I thought, and I don't know why I thought this, but I thought for so many years, like most of my life, I thought that I was meant for great things. Like I was meant to do great things and um, live large and not small and, you know, um, be a life changer. I don't know. And then the older I get, I'm like, well, that didn't happen. And that's not what my life has looked at. Like my life is nothing like I thought, like I ever imagined nothing, not even close I mean, I got married and I had children and that's a, I I hoped for those things and I love that I've got to experience those things and still am. And certainly they're some of the most important things to me. Um, But I didn't go on to do this grandiose thing. And maybe, maybe I'm just looking at it through the wrong lens because what if motherhood really was that grandiose thing for some of us? You know, what if carrying our legacy through generations is that grandiose thing? What if it's, you know, loving and supporting your loved ones within your family and within your reach, even if it's just within your own neighborhood, you know, what makes a larger scale more important than a smaller scale? Maybe what it all boils down to is that we're serving in some capacity and we are doing the best that we can. Um, Because at the end of the day, God loves each of us the same. He's not a respecter of of persons. Whether you've lived a grandiose life or a simple life, his love is just the same and your value is just the same. So on that note, um, I'm kind of leaning towards, well, maybe I was wrong about my life and maybe... Maybe the simple things that I do have a greater impact than I realize. And maybe it's okay that I'm only reaching a small select group of people. Um, my connection with them is very intimate and, and special to me. And I hope it is to them too. But we have that purpose. We all have a purpose. And I just want to say that if you mess up as big and as ugly as I did this past week, don't despair and, and know that when you feel lonely, when you feel isolated and you feel the pain of loneliness, that the way to transition that into the joy of solitude is to turn to the Lord, to tell him how you're feeling and ask him for what you need. He already knows what you need. He's just waiting for you to ask for it. In many, in many circumstances, because the whole point of asking for it is that we have to humble ourselves to do that, in order to do that. And so I think that it takes that humility, that diligence, the, the, the prayer of faith. I took that away from um, today. I had um, co-hosted a 
the podcast Stepping into Freedom as a guest host for Paul Pulsifer. And we're reviewing this book called um, Without Offense, The Art of Giving and Receiving Criticism by Dr. John Lund. It's an excellent book. It's an older book, but it's an excellent book. And that's one of the things that he says that it requires diligence. It requires humility. Change in people requires diligence, humility, and the prayer of faith. And it's true. So if you want to change and you want to be in a different space, the best way I know how to do that is to give it to the Lord and let him help you and let him strengthen you and remind you that you are loved and you're, you have value to him. You have value because the way that he sees you is the most important way to see yourself and to understand yourself is through his eyes if you can. And it's also the way to understand others is through his eyes. And don't give up, you know, turn to him as often as you need to. That's one thing. If anything, I've been learning through this whole process of overcoming addiction and binge eating disorder. It's that it's in some ways, I I almost feel like it's forced me to turn to him for strength. And, um, I'm so grateful for that. So carry on my friends and just know that this process is an evolutionary one. The process of overcoming food addiction evolves as you evolve and learn and grow and don't get so stuck on, you know, one size fits all because there could be, you could just be having a piece and there's more pieces. So stay open-minded and lean on God and strengthen your relationship with him and you will not be sorry. Make today great.